Hello folks and welcome to the 2024 Gridiron Crew Honours Awards, our inaugural end of season awards do. The crew have been voting on some traditional awards and some tra traditional categories along with some crew created awards. Joining me tonight are an array of the finest crew members and as the show, as the show goes on you hear the logic behind their votes. Helping me present the awards tonight are a couple of familiar faces. First up is Brian. Brian, you up to the task tonight? I'm always up to the task. Delighted to be joining us. This, this most prestigious of events, Dan. Delighted to be here on this most glorious of Friday evenings. <laughs> Keith, we've got some uh, great awards up for grabs tonight. You're looking forward to it? Very much so. It's uh, been a fantastic year so far, and it's about time that we actually dished out some awards of our own. Yeah. And we've got some international uh, stardust on the show tonight joining us for the awards. It's uh, Stu. How are you doing, Stu? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Dan? Yeah, all good, all good over here. Uh, and Liam, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, I'm good. Looking forward to 10 All Things Awards. Good. Excellent. Talk awards. Let, let's get straight to it. We're going to get our first award. We're going to kick off tonight with the Comeback Player of the Year. So over to Brian for this one. Well, this is a, a traditional category, both in the world of the NFL, and as it is going to become a traditional category in the world of the crew, the, the NFL is full of fantastic storylines, and our, our three finalists for the award this evening have fantastic stories all of their own. Baker Mayfield, the, the, my, my, my boy, my boy, Baker Mayfield has been mistreated by many a franchise around the league. He spent years with the Browns, having mixed success, then was was discarded, made his way to Carolina. Then I was, I'm getting my, my teams right. Made his way to Carolina, made his way to the Rams before finally landing this year in Tampa Bay, following in the not inadmissibly sized shoes of the one, the only Tom Brady. Joining him up for nomination tonight, it couldn't be a comeback player of the year story without a mention to DeMar Hamlin. I think everybody was exceptionally concerned, obviously, with Demar and he's, he's, to be very blunt, brushed with death on the field. Um, then, for us all to be able to share in the story of him returning, not only returning to health, but returning to being an active player in the National Football League is truly something that is utterly breathtaking. And then, to round it off, somebody that didn't quite of a brush with death, but he had a brush with the couch and that's almost as scary as we had Joe Flacco, who rose like a phoenix from the couch, which I've now decided is how I'm going to explain how I get up from the couch after a wee mid-afternoon sleep, is that I rise like a phoenix, coming to save the Cleveland Browns season after a litany of injuries across all different position groups. And not only did he come off the couch into a team, learn the playbook, he then helped to steer that team into the playoffs. Truly another absolutely exceptional performance. Now, as with all things, there can, unfortunately, only be one winner of every award. This is what I'm going to feel by. It's like, it's like the review crew earlier in the week when I really wish we had a soundboard so I could play a drum roll. <laughs> the inaugural winner of not only the Gridiron Crew's first Honours Award, but the first Gridiron Crew Comeback Player of the Year, coming in with a registered 
60, this is when I checked back to find exactly what the decimal was that Dan sent me. 63.6% of the vote. The one, the only, your friend and mine is here, not only to provide you with touchdown passes, but to provide you with comprehensive insurance for all of your needs. It was, of course, Baker Mayfield, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I think there was only ever going to be one winner on that award, to be fair. Brian was a bit conflicted about who to vote for. That was that was interesting. I was. I will, I will say the, the story behind Damar Hamlin is obviously, in terms of like magnitude of, of coming back from something, is obviously the biggest. However, it, it does need to be said that while Damar did return to active duty this year, he didn't feature heavily, um, which is something we hope that he will uh, turn around in future years in, in his career. But yeah, it had to be between Baker and, uh, and Mr. Flacco, I think, for the honours in. Even, even I was torn and I, I couldn't I couldn't shy away from my boy in the end. <laughs> Stu, who, who did you vote for on this one? I was one of the uh, Damar Hamlin voters on that one. I think just uh, like Brian, he kind of summed it up very well there. That whole the storyline. Uh, I mean, I watched it as it unfolded live because obviously the Bengals were involved in that game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was pretty shocking. And for me, just like the fact that he was able to come back literally from death kind of thing and play again I, I know he did heavily like and I, I do totally appreciate the way people have voted but for me yeah I had to pick Demar Hamlin and Liam what were yourself yeah I, I'm I'm I have voted Hamlin as well I, 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 somehow Baker won apparently but yeah I definitely voted Hamlin <laughs> <laughs> so yeah obviously the Hamlin story as Brian says is something pretty inspirational um from a football point of view, I think the, the Baker story is, is pretty unique as well. So I can see why people voted for both of them. Eh? So uh, cheers for that. Well, let's, let's move on. Let's move swiftly on. Let's get a second award on the go. So the next award basically is the What the Fuck Moment of the Year award. So Keith's going to host this. They're going to uh, present this one. But basically, this is moments throughout the season. You've looked at the screen and went, what the fuck just happened there? Or what the fuck was that? So Keith, take us through this one. Oh, I misread that. I thought I was going out for like a, a Pete Carroll style. I thought it was a what the frick moment is uh, how I've been going for. Keep it, keep it PG. Keep it PG. Um, Dan, we should say just before we get into it, the crew honours award is um, we are looking back at the over the year. And would you go through the list of um, awards that we have for tonight? Um, so yes, that we can give everybody yes, a wee taste yeah. of what we're, what we're going to go through. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously we've had we've had the comeback of the year award. We've just done that. Uh, next one we've just introduced there. Then I'm going to go for our fantasy bust of the year. So the player who we all hoped was going to lead us to fantasy glory and then fell flat in his face. We then got the cruise missile of the year, one of Keith's part favorite parts of the cruise. That pass of the year, that that catch of the year. Uh, we've then got a very uh, a tadger of the year award. We'll explain that in a bit more detail when we get to it for those that are non-Scottish watching and listening. Uh, we've then got the three traditional awards to, to round us off. We've got the Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and then we'll finish off with the Gridiron Crew MVP. So exciting uh, awards ahead. Um, so Keith, let's go back to yourself, Keith. Yeah, fantastic. So the WTF Award for this year, our nominations were Kadarius Tony when he was lined up in the neutral zone, Dre Greenlaw versus the Eagles Security, 
the Lions ineligible downfield player versus the Cowboys, and the Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, 63, LA Chargers, 21. That's our four really what the hell happened there moments that the script writers for the NFL were just on one that day whenever they came up with these ones. Um, Stu, there's been some absolute incredible moments over the year. What's been some of your favourites so far of, of those four? Of those ones? I mean, not to give away what I voted for yet, but uh, every single one of those, I'd, I'd found it hard <laughs> choosing between them because the the Tony thing when he lined up offside, um, I know there was a lot of arguments about him supposedly asking and being told, yeah, yeah, he was okay, but you know, when you watch the video back, I don't know if that is actually what happened, and it was maybe excuses being made after the fact. Um, yeah. the, the Raiders one, though, that was hilarious because I mean, that was them, they decided to to put up more points so in a position when you usually wouldn't do that <laughs> kind of thing. So, yeah, that's absolutely. that's kind of a bit, uh, you know, a bit off the pace kind of thing for, for what happens in the league. But, um, even beyond, I'm trying to think if there was any that would never never made it into the list there because my few thought of them those ones I do think are the strongest four options but um I don't know if we've maybe maybe I can't think any off the top of my head though but yeah those those were all moments that for me I, I definitely raised a spocky and eyebrow as I would say <laughs> thing like you know when it happens thinking NFL writers what are you doing? Dan, was there any other ones that maybe maybe just didn't quite make the grade that, that jumped yeah. out to you? Or do you think we've really nailed it there with the best the hell happened there yeah. moments? I had, I had, the only one I had thought about was the Dolphins putting the points up in the Broncos, but then I thought the Broncos were terrible at the time the Dolphins were flying, so as much as it was a shock of a moment, I think the, the Raiders one was a bit more of a shock than, than the Dolphins putting yeah. up those points up in the Broncos at the time. So that was the only one I was kind of tempted with. Um I decided four was enough to go with because we'd end up with one person voting for everyone and we'd have a shared award. So that one just didn't make the cut. I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And without any further ado, the winner of the first ever What the Fuck moment for the Gridiron Crew 2024 is Ivan Tony lining, lining up in the neutral zone versus the Bills with 36.6% of the vote. I think studs would have been uh, absolutely cheering this one on. That was a, just a ridiculous moment. The, the guy gets paid mega bucks, and I think there's been talk that he did look along and he, he did check. I think you can tell even just looking along the line yourself if you're in an offside position or not. So, I, the guys, uh, the guys made an absolute massive mistake. But the thing was, it wasn't just that he was in an offside uh, position. It was the play of the year. Had it been. Uh, pulled off. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a toss forward from Holmes to Kelsey. Kelsey um, laid it back to Tony, who ran it in. Uh, who was it against? Was it the Bills? Uh, uh, it jumped out of my head. I it was the Bills, yeah. What a yeah. game that was. And it was a, a game changer that moment. However, he, he absolutely blew it for his team. Yeah, Keith, I absolutely loved all the memes that came out of it, though. You know, the whole, the kind of. <laughs> Aye, look, he's totally on side, and then the squiggly line. Squiggly squiggly line. line. <laughs> off side with him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Aye, absolutely terrific. So that is your uh, first ever WTF um, winner. Uh, Ivan, Ivan, Tony. Uh, Kadarius, Tony. Aye, Ivan, Tony. Tony and a bet on it, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Cheers, cheers for that, Keith. Right, guys, we're going to do your favourite part of the podcast. We've not done one of these for a while. And again, it's an easy one. It's always an easy one. We're going to have oh, a third Jesus. and top ten. <laughs> Just add a I wee bit a of fun to it. track record at this time. I think everybody has a very bad track record at this, to be fair. <laughs> I, but I've got like zero and 16 Browns level of a track record. You need Joe Flacco to come off that couch to help you. That's exactly it. I need couch. So, this one, guys, I've kept again on, on topic with the playoff, right? So, basically, what I'm looking for in the Super Bowl era, so since 1965. I want the top point scorers in the playoffs. Which players of top ten players have scored the most points in the playoffs in the Super Bowl era? What I'll do, I'll do the usual. I'll give you two two shots each. Um, we'll go a clockwise direction. I'm in the middle, so that's a bit strange. So we'll start with Brian. Um, so two shots, one shot. We'll throw the table twice. Uh, so Brian, you can kick us off. Tom Brady. Nowhere near. Nowhere near. Nowhere near. Think right, sensibly it, oh, about your answer. Just for it's going to be all kickers. Think sensibly about your answer. Oh, actually, <laughs> kickers is, is kind of the way to go, Brian. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm just thinking. <laughs> it's clearly Stu's round. It's going to be all kickers. Liam, what about Gronk? Gronk, nope. Oh, yeah. I don't know how it makes For clarity, sorry, before a bit. Yeah. So if Tom Brady throws a touchdown, does he get the points or does the receiver get them? Receiver. Receiver. Right, yeah. okay, okay. That's why I went for Bravo Fantasy. Uh, Stu. Um, what's his name? 2013 Raven is James Joyce. The punt return guy. He, got 200 and, he scored two touchdowns and did 290 total yards in a Super Bowl. It's the most yards in a we're talking, about, we're, talking about, we're talking about points and oh, the playoffs. Okay. Uh, Goskowski. No, Goskowski, correct. Number two in the list. 212 <laughs> points. Stephen Goskowski. There we go. Kick up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith is on the list. He is 126 points. He is what, two, four, six, eight. Joint ninth to 126 mm. points. Ryan, back to yourself. Right, I'm now just going to go for successful kickers. Fucker? Uh, nope. Ah. Even though I hate this play. game, Dan. I'm really bad at it. Liam. God. Um... Is Hill in there? I was going to go newer. No. No. Stu, you're the only one that's getting kind of thinking about this one here. Uh, Rice. <laughs> go with Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is in there, yes. Two, four, six, seven, hundred and thirty-two oh, points. I've just thought of one that might well be in there on the back of that. Sorry, I'll give you another go. He's been that bad, I'll give you another go. Keith. Um... <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think who's the... Got to go for... Was it Mason Crosby was the kicker for the Packers? Yes, Mason Crosby, number four on the list, 163 points. Yeah. Right, Brian, you're in your third life. Right, this is, this is uh, right, 
I don't actually think this is going to be right, but I'm basing it off Stu's answer just because it made me think of something. <laughs> I love this. Chelsea. Do you know what? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Number, number 10. He gets in at number 10. Or, in fact, number nine, actually. Just one, two, three. Oh, I get excited. Five. I go one, like, going in a third and top 10. Three joint eights, and then he's ninth. Ninth in the last. 114 points. Liam. Um, God. I'm trying to think of anyone. Montana. No, quarterbacks don't get that many points. I know. I'm sure that's when I went wrong I'm first struggling. time. Around. I know. I just got him. Yeah. Right, Stuart, going for the hat trick. Uh, okay, I'm going to go for not a kicker just to try and make this harder for myself. Um, Randy Moss. No. No. <laughs> Final guess, Keith. Oh, I'm going. Um, is it Huashka? Stephen Huashka, the kicker for the. You know what? He, he's he's close, but he's not in the top ten. He is, he is about twelfth or thirteenth. Stephen Huashka, yep, he's he's there, but he's not in the top ten. So you're nah, you close. Worth a try. You're six try. points away from being in the top ten. Well, that's guys. You're going to kick yourselves when I get through this. Right. <laughs> so number tenth. Number tenth. Number 10, Matt Stover, 106 points. They obviously got Travis Kelsey at ninth. And in joint, eighth, Robbie Gould, Emmett Smith, and Thurman oh, Thomas on 126. Gould. Then we had Jerry Rice on 132. Uh, the only, so two active players on this. Kelsey's obviously one of them. Butt kick up, 145 points. Butker was the Ooh. other guy I went with Moss instead of just the. Change it up. I was between him and Tucker, to be fair. Um, and then fifth, we have Gary Anderson, long kick, long standing kicker in the league. Uh, obviously, then we had Mason Crosby. Number three is David Akers with 175 points. Number two, we had Stephen Goskowski with 212. Anybody like to take a guess at number one? Shout a name out. Yeah, go for it, Taylor's. Can't believe he's not got this. Adam Vinatieri. Oh, oh of course. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> painful you think about it, man. <laughs> 238 points. Told you guys, told you. It's, it's always easy. It's always an easy one. <laughs> After the answers have been read out. <laughs> oh, when you've got the answers, let me. Aye. <laughs> I did no bad. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, it's a good effort. Some good guesses. I mean, some of the players he's guessed would make sense. But yeah. it just happens to be the kickers yeah. pick up the most points. So. Excellent, right, guys. Let's get back to the awards. So next, we're going to move on to we mentioned it earlier the fantasy bust of the year. So Brian, take it away for this one. Well, I feel that I am exceptionally poorly chosen to present this award because as the reigning crew fantasy champion, so modest, I so have modest. no business <laughs> discussing busts of any other than the bust that will be made of me. To commemorate my crushing victory, all right, all who stood before me. I would like to thank the academy. Uh, right, sorry, that's not that kind of world, is it? Right, okay. So we are talking about those players that you drafted onto your fantasy team with high, high hopes, and they let you down badly. Now, for this, I think it's important to clear these aren't players who you took a flyer on in the last round of your fantasy draft, and they never panned out. Those are freebies. You're al they're allowed to be hopeless. We are talking about players that had big, 
big fantasy draft capital and they still let you down. So the four nominees that we had, we had going into this, we had Tony Pollard, Cooper Cup, Austin Eckler, and the one, the only, Bijan. Now, gentlemen, were any of you blessed enough to feature any of these fine specimens, perhaps more than one of these fine specimens on your fantasy rosters this year? Then if they have have a home for any of these guys, I, I, I had I had uh, Austin Eckler, so that's what I Austin Eckler on a key for yourself. I had both Pollard and Bijan Robinson, and oh, um, no. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I traded Pollard late on in the season, and I think it was just at the right time to get rid of him as well. I got DK, but um, he didn't do enough for me. Well, yeah, this I is where it's it's very interesting because. If you turned around to the start of the year and said that you were sat with a fantasy roster that featured both Bijan and Pollard, most oh, would have thought you were in a fantastic position. Uh-huh. However, <laughs> the, the tale of the tape told us all a very different story. Tony Pollard finished his year in the, in the crew fantasy land. Your scoring may vary, but he finished as 17 points played. Uh, what, where did he come? What was his, his overall rank? Uh, 14, RB14 overall for somebody that you were drafting in the first if not the second round, hoping he would have that big, big upside Mr. Bijan just for Keith, he was a proud owner of both, finished his year, he cracked the top 10 to be fair, finished his RB9 but still not not the return for somebody that was drafted as aggressively as he was Cooper Cup, now Cup obviously had, had his injury concerns into the year, we all knew it. it. Discounted his value slightly, but he still finished. Tell me what I take a guess. What what rank in our, in the grid iron crew scoring, which is 0.5 PPR in a couple of tweaks? What number wide receiver do you think the mighty Cooper Cup finished as? 38. 38 from Stu. Any advances? I was, go, I, was, I was going for 40 to be fair. 40 from Liam. Anybody else? I'm going for 50. Bottom because he was in my team and done absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> he finished as Liam. I'm gonna get your uh, your screen check to make sure you're not cheating, sir. By the way, because he finished as wide receiver forty. Wow. On the year. <laughs> or somebody that okay, you were getting him at a bit of a discount in the draft because yeah, he was hot coming into it, but still wide receiver forty and Austin Eckler, a fantasy dead set. A dynamo, the, the receiving and rushing upside on one of, or what was supposed to be, one of the league's most dynamic offences. Came in as, and again, you weren't getting this man outside the second round in most leagues. Came in as running back 26 on the year. Wow. Well, I mean, that was a he, was he was going um, Guys, got it spot on. Liam got it spot on. Everybody has to take a drink. Oh. Hey! <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. I think in a lot, I think in a lot of drafts, Austin Eckler was going number three. Yep. Like he was going number three. Pick yeah. one, I certainly heard that some places he was falling to the end of the first the wide receiver heavy leagues. He was falling a wee bit. But yeah, high draft capital. So these these champions of football and fantasy. Or costing you the earth and returning nothing for your investment. So, who did the crew judge 
to be the biggest bust of them all. Now, this was actually very hotly contested. This wasn't as lopsided as some of the other ones went. The winner of this year's fantasy bust with 54.5% of the vote was Austin Eckler of the LA Chargers. Running back 26, finishing the year with a total 185 and a wee bit fantasy points, which is for a man of his uh, caliber. To give you context, last year, last year's Austin Eckler came in with 372 fantasy points on the year. So he was nearly half the player he was a year ago. He was judged to be your fantasy bust of the year. So my commiserations if you drafted them, particularly if you drafted them high. Yeah, that's that's this those stats across all four players are, are just ridiculous. But to basically for Eckler to be half the player he was last year is it's crazy. Liam, who did you vote for on this one? I I think I well I should have voted for Austin Eckler because I had him, but I you know I'm still in denial, so I went for a cup. So um so <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I'm still ha- having a hope he'd do something for me. Um, even, yeah. even, even in the postseason, Liam believed. Do you vote yourself? Who did you vote for on this one? Oh, I think I went for a uh, Cooper Cup on that one as well. Yeah, I probably should have went for Cooper Cup. In fact, it was in my team, but I did, I did go for Eckler because I did think for the expectations he had and going. The, the, I think in all my leagues he went top five. The all leagues I was in, and he just absolutely bombed. So, well done, but. Thanks very much, Austin Eckler. We're the most very sarcastic voice. He's a free agent. <laughs> we'll see where he lands. Indeed. Yeah, it'll be good to see where all those players land next year. I suppose a lot of them will get new head coaches, so they could be different, completely different players. Well, there's, there's a question. And in, in keeping it, sorry, with the world of fantasy, which of those, you're on the clock and you need to draft one of them, who are you drafting first? Eckler, uh, Bijan, Cup. Pollard, who, you, who are those that you're taking, you're taking a flyer on next year? Yeah, I think I'm taking. The fact that Alex Smith, Alex Smith has left um, the Falcons. It has to be Bijan now. Yeah, I'd say Bijan. Unleashed, unleashed the Bijan. Depends who they get in his OT unit. But if they start to play Bijan, everyone will see it coming. <laughs> well, that's it. Alex Smith has his logic on it. Can what? Yeah, good running back. Don't, don't, don't run because people will know what we're doing. Can what the Steelers? Maybe, uh, maybe. That's... It's going to be interesting to see what uh, Warren and Harris do with the Steelers this year, like after being so effective this last year. Edge. Yeah, play edge. Yeah, play edge. Because <laughs> no one will see that coming. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe, he's, uh, maybe he's just not that very good. Alex Smith knows it and he knows that Bijan will freeze Well, whenever uh, he's putting the, the, the spotlight. It's not like that. Cause... They're like that. They're like that. Right, he runs like like analytics and stats and everything like for um, you know going past the whole like kind of touchdowns or whatever. But his yards per carry and like yards after contact were pretty good this year. Yeah. They were a lot better than those years anyway. So I mean, it'd be I don't know. I just I find it absolutely baffling the the or the decision that was made that you know what we're just going to run them as a complete tandem this year because Bijan was definitely a step above. Kind of thing. So uh, hopefully this next season, as Keith says, we get to see the mustard unleashed and a bit more soft. <laughs> Un- yes. 
But one, one point I'll make here on Arthur Smith, as much as he obviously gets slated for the way they dealt with that, the Falcons, rightly so. But he was a Titans offensive coordinator when Derek Henry was at his peak, so he obviously knows how to run the ball. That's always but when it's when the entire when the entire offensive scheme is handed to Derek. Like <laughs> that should have been the case at the Falcons because they've got nobody else. I you try to say you doubt the qualities of Desmond Ridder. Who? <laughs> I do think if you put if you put Tannehill into that offense, I think they would have been a lot better. Like no offense, Desmond Ridder, but even Tannehill with a bad year he had last year. You know who would have been good in there? Marcus Mariota, he'd have done a job in there. I imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on. We digress, we digress. So the next award we're moving on to is the cruise missile. And uh, It's hard to describe this one, guys, because I can't really describe a pass to you. It's, so what I'm going to tell you when the passes that have been nominated happen, and you can go and look at them yourself and you can argue with the crew later on. So... I watched a video, it was a 35-minute video of the best throws of the season, of the regular <laughs> season. 35 minutes, and it took me four days to narrow it down to the final five, because there was just so <laughs> many good catches. Um, so what I'll do is I'll run you through the nominations, guys, and I'll get your thoughts on, on that as well. So basically, when you're looking at a cruise missile, we, we do it on a weekly basis, but I was looking for with passes that have got air, flare, and distance is what I was looking at. And the thing I've made a tiebreaker to get this cut down was one that had to end in a touchdown as well because there were so many good passes and I couldn't break it down, so I had to find some sort of tiebreaker. So, the five nominees for this award are Russell Wilson to Cortland Sutton against the Texans in Week 13, Tua to Jalen Waddle versus the Jets in Week 15, Joe Burrow to Jamal Chase versus the Cards in Week 5. This was an interesting one. I never thought I would put a, line, a Giants person up for an award, but this one was phenomenal. Tyrod Taylor to Darius Slayton versus the Rams in Week 17. CJ Stroud, Diego Collins. Uh-huh. What year is this? <laughs> CJ Stroud, Nico Collins in week 18. And then the last one, Joe Flacco to Amari Cooper versus the Texans in week 16. So that was the, fa- the, the six uh, nominations. So, Brian, who did you vote for? Is it worth asking you? Is there any point in asking you? It, it, really, it really is not. I've close voted for CJ. No, I did not. Joe <laughs> Flacco, the one that only. Joe Flacco Wacko throwing it up for Amari. That was incredible. I loved every moment of that. Stu, is there any point asking you about what you voted for? I'll, you know what? Being honest, I ended up just voting for Joe Burrow and um, <laughs> I felt bad doing amazing. <laughs> but I also watched that 35 minute video. I watched all of it and I got to the end of it and I was kind of like, you know what? I can't choose <laughs> any of these. I'm glad Dan's the one that's <laughs> down. So when the vote came out, I went, I'm not even going to go back and rewatch these. I'm just going to vote for Joe Burrow here. Because <laughs> like, there were so many good plays and so many good catches this year. And, uh, you know, I, I like them all. <laughs> I'm going to put it that way. Even the ones against us, like, why not? Who who doesn't love a giant air ball and, like, you know, huge catch and maybe run after it or whatever? Like, uh, it was all good. Yeah. Liam, what be yourself? What was your favourite of those? I think I was torn between Stroud's and um, was it Sutton's one? I think. Um, yeah. I think I was Sutton in the end. I just went for Sutton with the. I think he was kind of trying to break free from coverage a bit more. I thought so, getting a bit manhandled. So just the concentration. So that's why I ended up leaving towards. And Keith, what about yourself? What was your choice? Uh, it was the quarterback of the season for me. It was CJ Stroud um, with a, a bomb to Nico Collins, who had just been absolutely terrific in the. Synergy between those two players was was wonderful, and 
just absolutely loved it. I loved it. The confidence of the young guy coming out this year, the confidence that had been given through his, his team and just really, really putting it out there on the plate and for everyone to see that maybe he shouldn't have went as lower as two in the draft pick. I thought it was <laughs> terrific. What a throw, what a catch. Yeah, it was. I mean, as I watched, as, as Stu says, watching through that video, I mean, there was another CG there was one in there I'm so tempted to put into Tank Dell. It, right, it kind of yeah. throws a corner post and it's an absolute cracker. I'm like, I can't have two CJ Stroud post passes in this voting. Um, so, but there was so many. I mean, I even had to take it a homer pick. The very first pass on the video was Dak Prescott getting battled about and thrown to CD Lamb. And I thought, it's good, but it's just not as good as some of the other ones. So I managed to take a homer pick out. So, uh, so, so many good passes, like you said, guys. Uh, just, it was just really hard to choose. So, um, the winner with 54.5% of the vote, and this one was quite tight. Um, some of them got closer than others. Of course, it's one play, it's 75 yards. CJ Stout to Nico Collins gets the, the cruise missile of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a very deserved winner, I believe. Yep, that's excellent. Um, what, one thing I will say though, Keith, I know you're saying he was quarterback of the year for you, but you, you didn't happen to watch the Pro Bowl skills competition. <laughs> no, I did. No, I did. TJ Stroud made and he, the Did you see who won? He got, he got schooled. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he didn't. He got baked. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's your, there's your real quarterback of the year. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Don't give Brian any more ammunition than he's already got. <laughs> yeah, guys, that's it. It, was, it, was like, it was a phenomenal. I mean, when you watched it, you knew they'd had that play lined up all week. As soon as the first play of the game, they had the ball and they just tore, tore the coach right through the middle. It was, it was, a, it was a great play, great throwing. Uh, a great call by by the uh, Bobby Slovak. Uh, they put that in. Right, guys, we've now got a very special segment of the show. So, it's uh, over to Keith for this one. So, this is the point where we're just doing a wee review of uh, what's actually happened uh, this year for the crew. This has been a, a massive year. This is only our second full season, our first full season, our second season um, covering the NFL. Which started off, as I keep saying, as just a bunch of guys that had uh, got together through Zoom chats during COVID and through the fantasy leagues. We, we got together for a, a draft weekend and the idea had come to me to, to put this together and I'm just so... Delighted and thankful for all you guys for putting the effort in and uh, keeping it going. And thanks very much to the listeners and viewers who are just making it uh, worthwhile. It's, it's terrific. But we're getting bigger and better. And I think it's important that we take this wee chance to look at how much we've actually grown in the podcast in this year. So since August, um, when we first really started looking to the 2023 season, we have had 47 episodes um, covering, we started off with the previews of the, the divisional round, the, the, the all the different teams there and how we thought their season was going to go. Tell you something, not one of us thought that Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to do as well as they did this year. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure the Bengals were not going to finish in fourth position in their league either. I'll be interested to have a wee listen back over them. So... Yeah, great discussion. We've got lots and lots of special guests on for those podcasts and the crew just started to evolve from there. We get a couple of new faces. Dan and Gav joined us. Um, we've got our usual 10 crew members that, that take part in here. We've got the, the four guys on you see just now. 
Brian, Stu, Liam, but we've also got Pat, Scud, Studs, um, Kev. Oof, who else am I missing here? Mentioned Gav as well. Everybody's Craig. been fantastic. And Craig, Craig yes, Mudge, how did I miss it? Um, He's quite small. Smudge is very small. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been wonderful. I've been absolutely delighted with the, how, we're, how we're doing, and I'm just so enthusiastic about how we're going to go from here. So, since August, 47 episodes that we've recorded. We're going to hit 50 by the time the Super Bowl comes, and I think that'll be pretty special because we're, we're doing our live show from committee rooms number nine on the day of the Super Bowl. Really looking forward to that. Great chance to get together with the crew and watch some ball as well. We've had some incredible special guests on the, the podcast, and that's part of the thing that's really... Um, made it feel worthwhile was just how welcoming the British community is around American football. We've had guys like Dan from the New Orleans Saints podcast, Procrastinatus, Graham Hendel Henderson, who we had on the other week there, the Kill Texan. We had Eric from the 49ers Faithful, Sing Guy Fletch, Panthers fan, George from George on Sports, who I believe is in Vegas just now, absolutely living it up. But to come on here and talk about their teams, it's been it's been absolutely fantastic. He's a, a Titans fan. Ian, one of the coaches from the EK Pirates, and we've had a chance to actually go and meet some of the EK Pirates um, with their training days. They've been so welcoming and enthusiastic, and we'll be getting more of them on. They're quite a lot of the crew here. That's our local team, so they'll be one of the local teams that will be going and sporting and hopefully shining a, a spotlight on in the year to come. Ross, our Tampa Bay fan, who joined us, and hopefully hear a lot more of him next season. With Stu, the Celtic Cardinal. We had Paul Stewart. I am P. Stu, uh, the, from the UK Cowboys Fans podcast. Guy's fantastic. One of my friends from uh, another podcast I used to do, the 90 Minutes Cynic, Ian Duggan. He's a big 49ers fan. He was on at the start of the season. was terrific. And Keg, the Panthers, Magfa- Ma- Panthers Magpie, has been on. So the crew have been wonderful. We have been reaching all over the world. Guys, we've, we've covered the UK, the North America, um, United States, Canada. We've even been as far as India, Russia. Comrades, listen over there. Mexico, Taiwan, Japan, Germany, Belgium, and Ireland and Brazil. It's amazing how far the crew is stretching. And as I said, next year, we're just going to get bigger and better. And that's all down to the hard work for these guys and for you guys for listening and sharing and, and letting us know how much you're enjoying it. Which leads us on to our next award. And our next award is our big horn. It's really it's to who's been maybe instrumental, who's been went out their way the most to help promote and help the crew because we are still finding our way in this podcasting world. And there was only one person. We had a wee talk about it, like who it would go to. There really is only one person that could go to, and she has been an absolute saint in helping us through one of the hardest times in her life, it has to be said. Unfortunately, she can't be on the podcast to, to accept her award. We were going to surprise her. She's actually at Cirque du Soleil this evening. Uh, it's Claire de Bear. Claire de Bear has been an amazing friend to the, the crew. She has been so supportive. She helped put on a special uh, one of her prize raffles um, for us. And I couldn't thank her enough 
she's just an absolute starry person, just so given uh, with her time. I've not actually had the pleasure of meeting her in person, but from everybody that we, we hear about that has, she's just such a, a wonderful representative of the UK American football scene, and just a great ambassador. So thank you very much to Claire the Bear. Well deserved the award. Um, just to echo what Keith says, like she's been so instrumental in helping us, and even just we about promoting a wee bit of helping us, and then also doing the giveaway and stuff like that as well. I mean, when I we, we've got a chat and I, I sent it to the guys, like I think we should do this big horn award. Someone, someone that's helped us, someone that's kind of helped us grow. And uh, I threw out a couple of names, just a bit of a joke. But Keith came back and said, "That's well, got to be clear." And there was no debate. As soon as Keith came back and said, "Clear," we're like, "Yeah, of course it's got to be clear." There's we're not even going to put any other names into the hat. It was. Um, she's been brilliant for us this year and um, I'm sure we'll work with her going forward again so um, we can send her a wee surprise video uh, of this to, to her award, I hope she's enjoying Circus Lay tonight but she's missing out on her award by, by going to do something like that, how dare she <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just want to echo something Keith said there as well um, for all the other guys in the crew that mean as a host me, Keith and Brian, I'm sure that you guys will, will don't mind me saying this, like the effort that you guys put in makes such a support for us on a week to week basis that you make our jobs as hosts very easy. The input and the support you give us is massively appreciated. And uh, I just want to kind of echo what Keith said and thank you guys all for that as well. Uh, and thanks again to all our special guests as Keith bring them off. Here. Keith, before we get any uh, angry people on, I just want to, a couple of corrections. Sorry. We'll get a uh, Sound Guy Fletch is a Lions fan and George is a Colts fan. We don't want to upset the guests. Oh, we want them to come back that. on. Don't <laughs> worry, I'll get that edited. <laughs> <laughs> but by editing, he means he's going to make these guys change their teams. So the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, Keith. And yet, as you said, Keith, some amazing stats in terms of what the content we produced this year, and it's, it's only going to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's it's, it's a very exciting time to be part of the crew. So, uh, thanks for to you, Keith, for starting all this up. Uh, can I give us a guidance throughout the year? Can I? Keep us on the straight and narrow when we try and go down different routes, and you're like, No, down that way, we're taking too long. We've got no storage space left, sharp. So, yeah, now thanks to you, Keith, for, for everything you do for us as, as the crew. I'm actually typing in the private chat just now, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the start of the month, we're all right. As far as a storage space, <laughs> <laughs> right? On to the next award, let's see what we've got next. So, I mentioned this one earlier on, so guys. If you look up the Urban Dictionary, you'll see two definitions for the word Tadger. I'm not going to read them out to you, but when you hear the nominees for this award, you can make your mind up of which definition applies to who. All right. So basically what we've done is players this year that you feel like you're a bit of an idiot. I mean, you're just like, what are you doing? Shut up. Don't do that. Just somebody that's annoyed people all season or throughout the season. So there's four nominees for this award. First up is Aaron Rodgers. I don't think I need to explain why he's up for this award. I think everybody knows exactly why Aaron Rodgers is a bit of a Tadger sometimes. Next one, Jair Alexander. Now, he likes to run his mouth, probably not justified, Lima. You can, I'll let you come in this now, he's second, Liam. But going out for that coin toss and then almost giving the wrong instruction. He shouldn't even have been there in the first place. And then he goes out for the coin toss and almost makes a mess of the decision as well. So that was another one. So uh, Kareem Jackson was another one. I thought we were in uh, two really bad um, unnecessary roughness penalties and really targeting players and injuring them. End up getting himself suspended for a ridiculous amount of time, but it was proper dirty play, and that's definitely Tadger behaviour in my, in my mind. And the last one was maybe a bit of a surprise for people, and it's it's Jackson Mahomes. I mean, what is he? What is he about? Just because his brother's part Mahomes doesn't justify him being the Tadger that he is. He seems to like Lionel like more than his brother does, and it's 
That's why he's in this category for Sir Walter. Liam, I'll come to you first. Should Jair, Jair Alexander be in this category? Uh, most definitely. I think that was a, a crazy, <laughs> crazy moment of uh, Green Bay, Green Bay uh, this season. But, um, but you know what? I just say uh, I just enjoyed this season. I don't have to worry about Rodgers. You know, going and Pat McAfee. I don't have to worry about that all season. It was great. It's so peaceful. <laughs> uh, Brian, who did you vote for in this one? Oh, Aaron Rodgers. What an absolute weapon. Uh, I, I'm like, you know, I can't believe I was. I'm going to agree with Cowherd. I'm going to actually agree with This is the like second time in a week I'm going to agree with Colin Cowherd. I genuinely think Rodgers is just going to vanish into into NFL playing obscurity. I think, I think he's done. He's washed. He's not coming back. Sorry, Jets fans. I know that you're all hopeful that he's going to lead you to some form of promised land next season. He is an absolute tadger of the highest order. Um, <laughs> he'll away in his darkness retreat uh, with, with his chosen wide receivers and Nathaniel Hackett. And, uh, oh, aye, goodbye. Go and, yeah, just become a permanent uh, member of the Pat McAfee. I know he can't now. He's punted off Pat McAfee forever now. Uh, go, he'll, st- he'll probably get a, a slot on GB News or something. Uh, <laughs> he's an absolute weapon of the highest order. <laughs> Stu, what yourself? Who did you vote for in this one? Um, I didn't actually go with Aaron Rodgers, but I understand why people would. I went with Jair Alexander, and I felt no, I didn't feel bad doing it, but I do sort of enjoy players. Kind of, yeah, I enjoy the trash talk occasionally, and mm-hmm. I do think in Jair Alexander's defence, he's a cornerback, so he's obviously exposed to a lot of wide receivers. Wide receivers are kind of horrible, egotistical maniacs at the best of times as we all know, so I feel like there's maybe a bit of that has rubbed off on him, on him like, too much in his life, and that is the way, or that's why he is the way he is, but yeah, Jair Alexander, that whole thing we're going out for the toy, uh, the coin toss, that was what sold it for me, so I was just like, what are you doing, pal? <laughs> <laughs> and Keith, uh, any different for yourself? No, I'm the same, we're going for a clean sweep then, might even tell you who's actually won this one, Jair Alexander for me, uh, just the, the audacity, the the goal to go out for the, the, the coin toss. I, I didn't see it as being such a big thing at, at the time, but when you recognise who the, the captains are and got to know your place, um, guy was maybe just a wee bit too hyped up for the game, but um, aye, I think that was a, it was dangerous, but it was putting his team in jeopardy, and uh, for that, I think he was the tadger of the year. Um, I actually voted for Kareem Jackson, so we're not getting a clean sweep here. Uh, I just mm. felt the two, the two hits that he put on his opposition players were, were shocking. It just completely disregarded. I mean, everybody... You see hard hits in this league, but when you deliberately go out to injure someone and do, on one occasion is bad enough, but to do it twice, that makes yeah. you a tad on my mind. That, I, it's just, I mean, the other person I could have put was, um, I think it was for the Steelers, what's his name? Casey. Uh, he was all one I kind of thought about putting in, and I thought, but I just went with Kareem Jackson. So, but can only be one winner. Uh, and Keith, to be fair, you were right. The inaugural Gridiron Crew Tadger of the Year. It's Jair Alexander. Uh, I'm sure that's not a award he will want to uh, defend next season. Do we, do we, do we clap that one? Or, like, I, I don't know how you, how you respond to that we one. Give the, we give the finger up on him. Is that what we do? Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying something. Is that happening? We're sending like t-shirts with Tadger of the Year. Like. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Oh, excellent. Let's move on. Right, Stu, your moment in the spotlight has arrived. What weird and wonderful info do you have for us in the statistic of the year? This See, this is something that I actually feel this is going to be really weak because I've been, I've been thinking about it for the last like four or five days and I was trying to find something like ridiculously profound or like ties in with the Super Bowl or I was looking for going, I was kind of hoping that maybe this year was like the highest scoring points year in history and it's not. So that, that's 2020 years. Um, but I was going like, well, how, how am I going to tie this in? And then... Instead, I've ended up going with something that I think is kind of weak, but it's at least Super Bowl related. Um, so the the quarterback, or sorry, in Super Bowl history, there's a bunch of quarterbacks that are tied with um, for most touchdowns scored in the Super Bowl game itself. There's a bunch of quarterbacks tied with four touchdowns thrown each like passes completed in uh, a Super Bowl, like one individual game. And there's two guys that have surpassed that. It's only two guys in history. Um, one of them uh, is the, the great Joe Montana, who scored five. But I was wondering, do you guys know who the only person to throw six touchdown passes in a final is? And also, which Super Bowl do you think it was? Oh. Well, it's not Joe Montana. Is in the I'm going to take a guess at Steve Young. Any other guesses? Terry Bradshaw. That would be my guess. Shout. Terry Bradshaw. It was no, a San I don't have one. Okay, it was a San Francisco 49er as well, and the Super Bowl was the Super Bowl in 90. Brock Purdy this year. Well, <laughs> I was going to get to it. Like, will, will Brock Purdy break this or will he be one of the guys that only throws, throws uh, four touchdown passes yeah but it's uh, young because it was for the, the Niners against the LA Chargers and what was the highest scoring Super Bowl in history and I wish I'd wrote down the result but because I'm on my phone I've not got it there but it was 40 uh, Dan do you want to look this up quickly I think it's 4 7 to 26 or something like that. Can we, well, while we're looking up this score, can we all enjoy that Stu has just said that Brock Purdy's floor in the Super Bowl is four touchdowns? <laughs> I'm glad that you picked that, that, that is that is Stu's baseline for Brock yep. Purdy. <laughs> the just to say, Stu, the the score was the um, the 49ers won 49-26 against the San Diego Chargers, a combined score of 75 points in 1995. That's the highest score in Super Bowl in history. So do we think we'll pass that this year? No. 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 Come <laughs> <laughs> on, guys. Like, it could happen. Defenses are too good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean we know the 49ers are only going to score in the fourth quarter anyway, so there's no way what happens, is it? Yeah, like that one. I, I, that makes it sound like I do a statistic of the year and then I get it right. That looks a bit suspicious. <laughs> you know, we could, we could have had an alternative, an alternative statistic of the year. Well, 18.1. 18.1. The amount of points I won the Gridiron Crew Fantasy Super Bowl with, just 18.1. Just to slide that one seamlessly in there. <laughs> well, that was a very seamless at all, Brian. You can remember a strong hammer there with that one. <laughs> I can't wait till next season so that maybe, or till the end of next season, so Brian could maybe stop. Like ramming this, like I won <laughs> down off the uh, so I think when I won, I won two leagues that we were in, and, and sadly came second in the third. 
Nearly. Yeah, enough, enough about that. Enough about the Brian show. Enough about Brian. <laughs> right, guys, it's time to get to the, the three main awards of the show and the three traditional awards that we, we kind of see across the NFL. So we've adopted them as, a, as our three key awards as well. Uh, first up, we're going to go for Coach of the Year, and it's over to Keith for this one. Yeah, so fantastic year for the NFL. There's been a renewal, it felt, in the, the, the league this year. There's been some incredible... Um, coaching moves in the off-season just now, and the, the league just feels like it's got a, a youthfulness about it. Um, some of the old guard have, have left, um, and even okay. last year there was some... There was, uh, <laughs> I brined away. Um, there's the, there were some big changes in the coaching of teams who had been traditionally not doing very well. Um, so the four nominees that we have for the coach of the year was the Indianapolis Colts, uh, head coach Shane Steichen, who left from the Philadelphia Eagles. You have the um, Houston Texans, Demico Orion, who left from the San Francisco 49ers. The Browns, Kevin Stefanski. And, of course, the darling of the the crew um, up until last week. Anyway, it was uh, the Lions' very own Dan Campbell. Captain Fantastic. So, um, let's see. I'll come to you first, Liam. Four incredible coaches who have really lifted and maybe changed the the way that people view about teams who were not very much fancied. Um, there's been some fantastic runs that the teams have went on, some incredible results. Um, who would the who would you say has had that the, the best year out of those four? Well, yeah, I was kind of torn when I was trying to vote on this, um, but like Demarco De Ryan, I thought you can't really say he's not had an amazing year taking the Texans from where they were. Where they, yeah. where they are now. Um, and only going to, in theory, go, well, obviously they're hoping going stride for stride. Um, but I eventually went for the old classic of Dan Campbell. I don't know if it's just his persona. He just comes across and obviously, okay, he's manager of one, or coach of one of, one of um, my team's rivals, but he's still, he's still, I always like hearing, hearing him talk and stuff like that. You know, all his, all his interviews are always amazing. Um, and I think, it's going to be building to this point. Obviously, they didn't quite make it to the Super Bowl. Do we want to get further again? But they're going to yeah. slowly building this year on year. So, yeah, I went for old Dan Campbell. Um, they started as they meant to go on with an yeah. incredible win at Arrowhead um, for the opener. Where I don't, I don't think we were shocked. We were surprised, would be how I would say it. It wouldn't be a shock. After the year that they'd have last year, there was a not quite an arrogance, a confidence about this team where they were looking to, to really make the mark and no better way to do it than, I think it was Monday Night Football, um, at Arrowhead against the reigning world champions. Dan, what about yourself? Who did you go for in this one? Very similar to Liam. I was, I was really torn with this one, as as we know, throughout the season. There's been two teams, that, apart from our own teams, that the crew have really had as our darlings this year, and it has been the Texans and the Lions. Um, I kind of fell on the side of the same as Liam as Dan Campbell, just thought, what Demico Ryan's has done is phenomenal at the Texans to turn them around, but for Dan Campbell to get the Lions to where they were, all the history they've got and all the expectation that they started to build, uh, and just as a person, I think I've said many times on the pod that Dan Campbell is a coach that anybody would run through a brick wall for. Uh, so that, that's kind of, he just edged it for me for that reason. What about the, the Browns head coach then, Brian? You were very vocal in beating the drum for Kevin Stefanski. What was it about his um, performance this year that made you want to to give it to him? Um, 
obviously Homer picking all the rest of it, but even putting that aside, just taking the brown tinted specs off, um, the flexibility and ability to to continue to perform and get results out of the team despite the Browns' injury woes this year. Um, mm-hmm. At its worst, the Browns were sitting with 26% of our salary cap on IR. And we were still grinding out wins against top opposition. You know what I mean? We were the victories against the 49ers, victories against the Ravens, you know, in the respective number one seeds for the A and the NFC. And when they were both playing very, very well, um, with backups and PJ Walker and and all the rest of it, that that was the big thing that swung it for me, um, was the fans gave. Dan Campbell done a great job all year. Um, really respect everything the Lions have been doing. Um, D'Amico, I think, was, was kind of that was the only one that I was torn be- between would have been D'Amico. And obviously, the Texans got one over on us early in the playoff, um, just showing what an incredible job he's been doing. But for me, just having to cope with losing so many in so many starters at really vital positions all year. That, that, for me, is a testament to a really well-coached team. Jim Irsay, um had his oar in whenever it came to the Indianapolis Colts, um, Stu. And I think everybody were, was expecting it to be an absolute... the dumpster fire that the Texans had been over the past couple of years, that there was just no harmony in the club. But Shane Steichen managed to, to get a, a formidable-looking team at times. And you can tell that it's quite early on in his um, career there, but already they're starting to look at a threat he's taken quite a lot of the positives of the the eagles um team of the past couple of years over there with them um and they're certainly going to be an interesting team for this forthcoming year the 2024 season what do you think of uh, shane steichen's performance yeah i mean it's one of the things where i, I was kind of banging the drum him quite often in the podcast like throughout the year whether it was on the review crew or the preview crew um because they they were a team that like, really impressed me because they definitely exceeded my kind of pre-season expectations yeah. you almost see it like quite quickly um obviously Gardner Minshew yeah it was, it was great kind of that they had him there as the backup but I'm very very interested to see how Richardson does like if they can get him healthy again for next yeah. year the guy that again Dan I think you are like Really looking forward to seeing him play. Mm-hmm. We're doing the preview, like thinking all the way back to that like chats we were having on the divisions, and uh, I was kind of excited as well. I wasn't sure what we were going to get, but like the few games we did see of them at the start of the year, I was very impressed. So I think the Colts are in a good spot to move forward. Um, I never voted for Steichen at the, the end of the day when we get into this, but yeah, earlier in the year, it's one of those things where I think if they had made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I- I might have done it, but uh, that, that division was a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be, <laughs> you know, when she get down the wire, because I think we all had it pegged as uh, the Jaguars are going to probably yeah. walk it kind of thing, and uh, in the end, it didn't really happen for them, so and then the Texans and the Colts were right there. Yep. Well, without uh, further ado, the the Coach of the Year for the Gridiron Crew 2023 season is Demeco Ryans. A fantastic achievement for him, a fantastic season for his team. And just to change the culture in the way that he did. He's taken so much from the San Francisco 49ers juggernaut that we're seeing there with Shanahan. And he's he's inserted it in. To get so much 
positivity and turn that franchise around so quickly. Um, it's, I think it's clear to see why the Orions has, has been our choice. So congratulations to him. Yeah, well, well deserved winner. Yeah, well like you said, Keith. Texans were absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Texans became a darling of the, the, the crew this year and greatly deserved award that 100%. Even though I didn't vote for him, I can completely endorse that as the winner because it, it was excellent for them. Hey guys, I, I'm going to get a wee bit of throwback here. I remember when I first joined the crew, kind of just started off season last year. One of the first things I remember doing was was the, the pods we done round about the draft. And I remember we picked, we all done our top 10 picks and we kind of seen how we got when the draft came. So that was, that was one of my first kind of real involvement with the, with the crew in terms of uh, after a couple of guest appearances. So thinking back to the draft, all those players that got drafted to the draft, there was some absolutely amazing talent came out of that draft. Um, so on, on that vein, we're going to throw it across to Brian for the, the Rookie of the Year. Yep. So when we think about this, these are players that, that have got such just hope and optimism built into all of them. Some of them have got massive pressure sitting on them, particularly when you look at people like Bryce Young, drafted number one overall, the pressure that that puts on you to perform. We all remember sitting and watching the draft and being absolutely stunned at the Texans, talking about D'Amico Ryan and the work that he's done. The Texans moves in the draft to wind up sitting with the numbers two and three picks in the first round. And, and my, my word, did they put them to excellent, excellent use. There have been some fantastic rookie stories throughout the year, and that left us with our four big rookies that we put forward for our overall rookie of the year. One, you couldn't have a rookie of the year competition without mentioning a man that's already been mentioned multiple times <laughs> on this episode and on many, many previous crew episodes. C.J. Stroud, quarterback for the Houston Texans. What a year he has had. Even only looking at C.J.'s regular season, he's sitting there with a 63.9% completion percentage in the year, 4,108 yards, 23 touchdowns and five interceptions on the year. Truly a remarkable year for, for a seasoned veteran, let alone for a rookie coming into a team that, I don't think many people had much sense of optimism around the Houston Texans this year. We also, one of the big, big stories of the draft, when we've seen at number 12 overall, the Detroit Lions taking Jameer Gibbs, a move that they were widely criticised for, for picking that running back so high. And again, he's somebody that many, many, certainly fantasy managers up and down the land, are really frustrated by all year seeing some of his usage, but particularly as he's came in to the tail end of the season and some of the play that he had in the playoffs was absolutely incredible. An absolute rookie unknown that we had this year in, a, in the world of the fantasy football, somebody that if you cl clocked him on your waiver wire early doors, you were laughing. Puka Nakua. What a season from completely much is made of Brock Purdy being Mr. Irrelevant. Pukunakua wasn't Mr. Irrelevant. He was Mr. Invisible as far as most people were concerned. And he steamrolled his way in. Dare I say, so I'm interested to see if you boys agree with me with this, supplanting Cooper Cup as the number one wide receiver in the LA Rams. Coming in with a regular season of 
do you know, I had to look at this twice to remind myself that this was actually true. 1,486 regular season yards. Um, six touchdowns, even a, a cheeky 12 carries for, for 89 yards over the year, which actually is a very respectable yards per carry average. Um, <laughs> a very respectable 7.4 yards per carry. Um, and then rounding off, and th- this is one for, for me specifically, I was stunned at this, is we've got yet another lion coming in. And the reason that this stuns me is because this is a position that rookies don't do well. This is a position where you wait till year three before you expect anything. It could only be Stam Laporta, tight end, one of, barring quarterback, one of the most complex offensive positions to play, so many different responsibilities, and he stepped in in such a huge, huge way. Guys, what, what are your thoughts? So of, of these four guys, you know what? We're going to put a wee, a wee pin in them in Mr. Stroud. Quarterback's a wee bit of a different position. So we've got one quarterback, we've got three skill position players. Of these, who's who's impressed you guys the most? How did we how did we land on this when we were thinking about our votes? Liam, who are so whether or not you voted for Stroud, if I took Stroud off the table and said if you were thinking about Laporta, you were thinking about Nakua or Gibbs, who are those guys has impressed you the most this year? I suppose first of all they've all been impressive, impressive haven't they? But um, I think I, I'm torn between Laporta and Nakua. I think I suppose all the question is what would happen to Nakua if a uh, cup was fit at the start of the season? Would he have got the opportunity to to mm-hmm. shine through? But I suppose talent always comes through in the end, as they always say. So, but yeah, I think I kind of lean towards Laporta just as you say to play the tight end position to do all the blocking as well and everything else that's involved in that position. I think. He's, he's he's so young, got so many years ahead of him. It's uh, quite, and as you say, you don't expect that straight off the back. Um, so but it's been it's been a this oh, now last year's draft. There's been a few tight ends kind of shown out, kind of even even some horror picks of uh, Musgrave and Kraft as well. There've been some good good tight ends this year compared to I suppose uh, years gone by. You know, and I know old world of fantasy might be better to be have a tight end draft. You never know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stu, so what about yourself? Are those, are those three guys, who's who's the one for you? Are you and um, what, what what team would you land on for your, your most impressive non-quarterback rookie? Um, I mean, I actually, just first off, just to admit, I am one of the people that was quite down on the Lions for taking Gibbs in number you twelve. Were, actually, I was kind of, I was very like, "What the hell are they doing? It's a running back. You never take running backs in the first round." So I was kind of subscribing to that like old kind of old timey draft thing and. Just shows you what I know, nothing. <laughs> That's why I'm not in here. <laughs> the things that seems to have worked out for them. But yeah, for me, like pretty much kind of similar to what Liam was saying there. Like, uh, like Nakua was obviously awesome, but for me, outside of Stroud, Laporta, just for reasons of the whole positional thing, like tight end is such a hard thing to play. And when you see, um, you know, guys like, uh, well, I forgot his name, Atlanta Falcons. Pitts uh, coming yeah. into the league like, oh, in his sure. draft, he was supposed to be the best tight end in the last 20 years or something like that. Generational talent, Pitts. And he's, you know, he's, he's coming on a bit this last year, and I know part of it's the quarterback, 
Uh, but let's be honest, it's Laporta has Jared Goff, and I know Goff's okay, but that's all he really is. If you know, no offense, Lions fans, but Laporta though, he was absolutely excellent. He just seemed to do everything well this year. So yeah, for me, Laporta was the the standout one out of those three. Uh, but definitely, you know, tip of the hat to Nakua because he was excellent in LA, and I wish I'd grabbed him off waivers. Uh, <laughs> I, I grabbed Irene Williams instead. <laughs> Well, to be fair, not a bad waiver pickup either. Uh, Dan Keith, I like a final one before we announce the winner of our Rookie of the Year. Um, we'll, we'll be ignoring the man, the myth, CJ Stroud. Um, do you compare when you look at CJ Stroud this year and how he's done? Do you really compare him to other rookie quarterbacks? Because that, I suppose, has been the big thing for me when I've looked at CJ this year. I'm not comparing him to Will Lewis. I'm not comparing him to Bryce Young. I'm comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. Now, they are two very different mm. players and he has to do a lot more to get himself onto that level, but that, that's the esteem that he's being held with, which I, I suppose is the kind of the big testament to how well he has done this year. So is, does CJ's even deserve to be, or do other rookie quarterbacks, I should, should say, deserve to even be mentioned in the same breath as, uh, as Mr. Stroud? And we had a we had a good pod earlier in the season where we had a good conversation about Bryce Young versus CJ Stroud. We, we kinda had a good chat on kind of where they were both going. And I think the general consensus at the start of the year was that CJ Stroud was the NFL ready quarterback coming into the league. But Bryce Young had the bigger upturn in terms of development and what he can be. But if if CJ Stroud if, if Bryce Young can be better than CJ Stroud, I cannot wait to see a fellow develop Bryce Young because <laughs> CJ Stroud is just being ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, there's points in the year where you obviously the NFL awards will be up for rookie of the year. There's points you're actually thinking, is he in MVP conversations? Yeah. Because he, his performances were that good. So yeah. he definitely deserves to be up in that conversation with the quarterbacks that you mentioned, like the your Mahomes and stuff this season, because his performances deserve it. Tell you what, before I give the one, Keith, I'm going to accept you. I've just remembered, remembered one one rookie QB fallen. Would this conversation, do you think, have been different if Anthony Richardson, QB draft pick number four in the Colts, picked up his injury early doors, was looking electric? Could he? Did he show the signs that could have challenged CJ to to be in the, the top rookie quarterback that we'd seen so far? I'm looking to see who, because you would, who do you really compare him to then? And I'm looking to see who was in Lamar Jackson's draft class that year. And that's that's the the standards there who you're you're looking at. Was that the Josh Allen year, um, Lamar? Because that's that's who you would really yeah, then compare 20, him to. Lamar was 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Who did so the Browns pick that year because I think they picked some here. <laughs> Terrible. So that's how I'm looking at it. I'm thinking who's who would you compare it to? Of course, Baker Mayfield now. He didn't quite start off that way. Is he as good as Sam Darnold, who went third that year? But the two players that you would compare, um, CJ Stroud and um what's his name? Anderson? No. Or Richardson. Right. Richardson, Richardson, sorry. Anthony Richardson. Richardson. Anthony Richardson would be then Richardson would be 
your kind of running quarterback. That would be Lamar Jackson style. And then you're looking at Josh Allen for CJ mm. Stroud. And I think in their first year, I think CJ Stroud has surpassed what Josh Allen did in his first year. It just looks so accomplished in that. But I think it's it's all about the landing spot. And he's landed in a, a positive situation with a team on the rise, on the up, with belief around him. He's not going in there at their... I suppose they were at their lowest, but everything was all changing. It was all turning around. And I think he's just got so fortunate that head coaches come in, he swept the decks there. Everything started off absolutely afresh. Whereas uh, Bryce Young going to the Panthers, where it just they had new depths to find and nobody really was expecting that from him. I think we expected more from Bryce Young. Anthony Richardson, he just looked as if he was trying to do too much, trying to impress, trying to make everybody realise that he is such a talent. And they they realise that the guy's an athlete, but I think he was just trying to take Indianapolis on his own shoulders, the whole area, the whole city, and get it on his shoulders and run with it. And he's injured himself. I hope that he learns a little bit and that he realises that he can take that slide. He doesn't have to run, get it away. Because the guy's a talent with his arm as well as with his legs. And I'm looking forward to seeing next year how the two of them compete. Bryce Young's got a fair bit of catching up to do, especially with players like Caleb Williams coming into the league. So it'll be such an exciting year um, for the 2024 season. I cannot wait for it. Yeah. Can I just okay. throw, actually, throw a question, Brian, just before you move on to the announcement? Talking about players that got injured that could have been in for the rookie conversation, if he had not got injured... Would Tank Dell be in this conversation? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no, and I'm gonna say no purely because I don't see him outstripping the numbers that Puka put up. Yeah, fair point. So, yeah. That, 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 that's the only reason I'd be saying no. In, a, in your normal years, well, ah, yeah, because that's that's pretty incredible rookie receiving numbers. They set the record for rookie receiving didn't he to. His first year. Yeah, I can't remember what he actually said to that. Probably and if you look at the rookies... Like, get pulled after they get the record. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, um, the four rookies but, that we've got there, they're the, the league leaders in their position yeah, for that the, year. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good spread that we've got there. Okay, With, without further ado, as we've, 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 we've dialed over them plenty, the Gridiron Crew Rookie of the Year inaugural champion goes to there could really only be one winner as he came in with 63.6% of the vote. He is the darling of the NFL. He's the darling of the crew. He is CJ Stroud. Quarterback <laughs> Houston Texans. A year like his, when you elevate somebody to your talking, as Dan so rightly said, when you're not, when you're at moments you're not talking about his rookie year, you're talking, is this guy the MVP of the league? Tells you all you need to know about the quality that he's put up on there. Yeah, unbelievable. Four four amazing rookies. There were some other rookies that came into the league this year that just missed the cuts. People like Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, people like that that have had phenomenal rookie seasons as well. I mean, it's to see the amount of rookies this year that have come into the league and stepped right up straight away, it just shows a testament of what level the college players are now getting to. That they're basically NFL ready as soon as they walk out of college. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the, the 
quarterback class coming this year. One player I'm really looking forward to um, is I've just completely forgot his name. Why have I just done this? I come back to me, the, the Washington wide receiver. Oh, no. What's no. his name? Adunze, Roma Dunze. Sorry, complete mind blank there. I cannot wait to see him in the NFL. Watching Washington play last year, uh, he is going to be a phenomenal rookie wide receiver. So it's, it's all exciting. Guys, we've only one world left. It's the big one. It's the big one. So it's time for the main event. It's time for the Gridiron Cruz inaugural NFL MVP. So there was loads of players up for this, but it, it only really came down to four players. Um, and I know we always say, oh, one of them is a homer pick, but it had to go in with the, the season it had and the, the, the stats around about him. So the four nominations for this award were Lamar Jackson, Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, and Dak Prescott. Keith, I'm going to come to you first. Why is Christian McCaffrey in this chat? Well, I've been told many a times this year by my, my oldest son, who is a, a huge Christian McCaffrey fan, just what a special player this guy is. And being a divisional rival of him, and it hurts to say, and it hurts to see the guy is something special. I've had I've had fantasy shares in him before in the past where he's let me down through injury, but he has not looked anything like that. He's just looked incredible. Uh, an athlete apart, his twitchy feet, his, his movement has been ridiculous and the, the amount of touchdowns that he's got, and I think he could have actually got even more. Um, him and most of this season have been ridiculous, but I think McCaffrey has been a difference maker for the San Francisco 49ers. He was the reason that they, they brought him in because they knew just what a special player there was. They put a big outlay out on him, but I think it's going to pay off this year for them. And a, a terrific player, amazing to watch, and it, it, it hurts to see that we're going to be up against them for the next couple of years. Although I'm sure uh, Mike McDonald's going to have a, a few um, things up his sleeve to, to hopefully counteract them. Excellent. And someone that's seen the next one up, probably up close quite a lot over the last few years. Why is Lamar Jackson in the MVP conversation? I just he's a guy that can do it all. He's an absolute utility knife quarterback. Um, as much as you know, for years he kind of getting pegged as a rushing quarterback only. And the last few he did it last season as well. He's shown that he can do things with his arm as well. And maybe those accuracy fears of the past, uh, unless he's thrown to in triple coverage, likely, and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the conference final, um, but yeah, I think the accuracy fears have went to he went to the ground, and the, the fact that they've built that offense for him, they finally started bringing in weapons like flowers. It's like he's got guys that he knows he can throw the ball to, or, or you know, outside of Hollywood Brown and uh, Andrews, because even when Andrews went down, he was still doing it this year. So yeah, Lamar, he's he's just dynamic kind of thing. I mean, I don't know what else you can say about him. He's he's. Uh, as much as I hate the Ravens, he, he has a pleasure to watch, kind of thing. And when he gets going, it's it's pretty electric. Yeah. I mean, Stu, you put some stats up today about the, the, the quarterback ratings over the last year. And, and Dak Prescott came out number one over the last two seasons. Ryan, what's, what's your thoughts on Dak then? I'm, I'm going to stay out of this one and stay in your stroll. I'll let you take over the chat about Dak. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was, I was just, I was channeling my inner Dak. Um, he, he's listen the, the the comedy aside, as we have all enjoyed the the, the memes surrounding Dak this year. He's had a great year. Um, you know, particularly you look at his regular season. He puts up four and a half thousand yards. Um, what he's he's 
he's not he's knocking something like 10 or something passes off a 70% completion rate, which is utterly obscene to be that accurate when you're chucking the ball nearly 600 times. Um, he's just had a very, very good year. The connection that he's fostered with, with Lamb over the course of the year has been excellent. Uh, says a very proud uh, CD Lamb owner in many fantasy leagues. Um, it's, this is where when we've watched the Cowboys come out and roast teams. The Cowboys, as Dan, I'm sure you can attest to more than most of us, have been a really frustrating watch for the fans and for lots of people this year because they come out and they show you what they can do some weeks and they absolutely destroy teams. I mean, we've seen it week one against the Giants. When you come out and you put up, yeah, okay, it, it's the Giants and we can talk about caliber opposition all the rest of it, but it's still 14-0 is outrageous. We've seen it again against the, uh, this is what I'm going to try to remember the, the other match. So he managed to put up 40 points or more, one, two, three, four, five, five times over the year. And there's two games in there that are 38 and 39 points. So he's leading one over what has been in place. He's one of the most electric offences in the league. He's in the conversation because he deserves to be. This is the blunt part of it. He's just put up excellent numbers with excellent throws all year. And he's provided amazing memes. I'll get that money across to you for that script later on, Brian. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> and Liam, Brock Purdy. Wish we all, everybody talks about Christian McCaffrey and every Brock Purdy's Mr. Irrelevant, but he's really made himself relevant over the last couple of years. What's, what's your thoughts on him? Well, definitely. I think well, I think that was what was coming into the season. Everyone's like, can he obviously he had a, the surprise out of nowhere last season, you know, and didn't do know what he did it was amazing. And could he could he sustain it? And he's just his stats are unbelievable. He's gone from stride to stride. I think he's got the top QBR rating in, in the league for the regular season. And um I know everyone's going about how he's just a, a game manager, which I, or you know, I get, but I th- credits where, where it's due. He's been, I think, he's been phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, you know, okay, it helps. He got the talent around, but he's still got to execute. He's still got to make those those throws. He's got to make those plays. So, yeah, he's been. I think he's been definitely up there. Uh, and rightly should be in, in the mix for definitely the the MVP of the season sort of thing. So yeah, um, can only be really impressed with what he's done. I mean, any player that rubs Cam Newton up the wrong way is a good one in my books. He's absolutely <laughs> Cam Newton went right in, and he's just he's just doubling down every single time on him. <laughs> the boy can win a Super Bowl single handedly, and Cam Newton still will not give him any credit. Yeah, I mean, four four players that have had absolutely phenomenal seasons. There's loads of players across the league that have had phenomenal seasons, but those four by far are probably up there, and that's why they're uh, in our final four. So let's get to it, guys. 55, 54.5% of the vote. The first ever Gridiron Crew MVP is, of course, it's Christian McCaffrey. Who else was it ever going to be? What a season the boy has had. Fair play to him. He's done everything. He's broke records. He's He's been phenomenal. He's a well worthy winner of, of our first ever MVP award. Um, and I've got no sour grapes that Dak Prescott actually got no votes. 
Ah, your check was only good me. enough for me to speak I didn't nice. even vote for him. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even vote for him. Um, yeah, guys, it's, it's been a... a, a completely deserved by, by Chris McCaffrey. All the winners tonight and all the nominees all deserve to be in our chat tonight of winning the awards and some great great awards given out and some very, very, very worthy winners. And it's been a great show so far. Keith, do you want to start closing us out? Yes, just to, to reiterate what a fantastic um, player McCaffrey's been. Did you know that since joining the 49ers, he's had 650 touches, 2,631 rushing yards, 1,161 receiving yards, and 38 total touchdowns? That's that's absolutely ridiculous. So he's more than repaid what the 49ers put out for him. But let's see if we can do, the, do it in the biggest stage a week on Sunday. Um, thank you very much to Dan for, for putting all this together. Guys, big round of applause. Yeah, and this has been terrific. We have been looking forward to doing this for a while. This is um, our first chance to really look back and take stop because the season's just so frantic and quick and there's always another game, there's always another um, story to tell and it's been hard trying to get it all together. So Dan, a terrific effort putting it all together. I want to thank everybody for, for taking part for voting next year though we will be opening it up to you the viewers and the listeners because we want to hear what you have to say we want your nominations and we want to hear, see your votes and your reasons why so we'll certainly be looking forward to doing that next year and um, dan finishes off then yeah yeah thanks for myself thanks to all the crew members for your, you guys have made tonight possible uh, i've kind of gave you a lot of kind of work to do over a short piece of time in terms of getting nominees and getting voting done so Massive appreciation from me to you guys for helping me get this uh, on the road and getting it done tonight. Um, everybody that's watching, listening throughout the whole year, um, your support is massively appreciated. Whether you're listening, watching, or just support of the sidelines, giving us some some big ups or anything like that. Um, whatever way you support us, because it's like Brock Pod, it's irrelevant because you're all appreciated the exact same. Um, these guys have been the crew. I've been Dan. You guys have been amazing for tuning in. Uh, and we'll see you next week for the Cruise Super Bowl week. Thanks very much. Bye.